on this week, I want you to take some time and I want you to quiet your household. I want you to find some time where you and your family begin to reflect on the life of Jesus Christ. Reflect on the life of Jesus Christ. Reflect on the fact that today is the day that we celebrate his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem where they begin to shout and call him Hosanna, the king is here. They begin to celebrate him with the palms and they were in the season of the Passover and of the feast. And there were thousands of people in this, in this city that begin to celebrate him. And so today I, I, I wanna kinda pull out some nuggets on how we really have to look at this season that we're in our life. And I want to talk about on today, part two of I Am Jesus. My subject today is who's in the crowd. And it says in John chapter number 12, verse number 12, your sermon notes are available in your app. You can go there right now and follow along with us on today. Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, is our Redeemer and our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter number 12, verse number 12. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord even the King of Israel. Again, I want to talk about today part two, I am Jesus. Who's in the crowd? When we think about a crowd, a crowd is a gathering of considerable number of persons around a center or point of common attraction. Who's in the crowd? A crowd is a gathering of a considerable number of persons around a center or point of common attraction. Who's in the crowd? When we look at the text, it says that on the next day, the large crowd had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. The crowd is very interesting because when I begin to do my study, this word kept sticking out to me and I, I begin to read the text and I begin to look at the text and think about this text and as I begin to think about it, I begin to say, wow, they're celebrating him, but they really don't know what's getting ready to happen. They're celebrating him, which is a good, it's a good thing. There was nothing wrong with them celebrating. They were celebrating him because they had just received word of the healing of what he had did in Lazarus' life. And they got word that Jesus was 
preparing to come to town. And so the Jews had begun to follow him there. And when he arrives in this city, there was already a major feast that was going on. And so Jesus enters into this celebratory moment that was going on in Jerusalem and, and they begin to celebrate him and they begin to call him Hosanna. They begin to, 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 to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as I begin to look at that word Hosanna, when you begin to translate that, that word Hosanna, it translates into save us, save us, save us, save us. And begin to talk about salvation. The crowd was celebrating, but they really didn't understand what they were saying. How many times have you been a part of a crowd and everybody had different intentions? Everybody was there for different reasons. We're, we're there to celebrate, but, but we're not celebrating with the same intention. We're all shouting at the same time, all jumping around, all, all moving around. But, but, but when we think about a crowd, when we think about a crowd, a crowd is man. There are characteristics of a crowd that we need to think about. Crowds like this are temporary. They have narrow attention. They're physical, compact, with not a lot of space of movement. They're unorganized. There is no plan or program to put it in place. They have a low mental level where, where they're, they're charged with so much emotion. But guess what? When you're in the midst of a major crowd, nobody cares if somebody is falling out. Nobody's really paying attention. If you got to get to the bathroom and you can't get out or, or, or if you're too hot and there's no ice, there's nothing cold to drink, everybody's focused on what they're focused on. It's a crowd. It's a it's a crowd. We're, we're all there for the same reason, to, to celebrate. It was the feast of the Passover. Jesus is coming into town, and everybody in the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Crowds can be very emotional. Their excitement is drawn from others, and at times, they can lose the spirit of the moment. You get in the midst of a crowd and people get angry and they get frustrated and you got to fight over here and you got to fight over there. And we lose the spirit of the moment because the crowd is what it is. It's a crowd. It's a temporal celebration. It's a crowd. It's a crowd. It's unstable, uncomfortable. It lacks consistency and persistence in its movement. A crowd, be, a crowd can at times become stagnated because everybody begins to congregate in one area and you're trying to move and you're trying to get across this way and you're trying to get over that way and you can't get through because the crowd has stopped its movement. You're in a crowd. What do you do when you're in a crowd? Today, I want to just focus on who's in the crowd. Because when we think about this, we're, we're, we're just saying, and they all celebrated, calling him Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When we think about it here in Cleveland, they said that, that our first championship here, it had to be one of the biggest parades to ever 
place in sports history. You could not get into downtown. People had parked miles away and they begin to walk. And once you got into the crowd, you couldn't move. You, you couldn't turn around. The, the cars couldn't get through it. It took hours. Why? Because the crowd was so emotional. The crowd was full of energy. The crowd was so full and everybody was celebrating. They were yelling, but everybody didn't have the same intentions. When we think about it, Jesus understood that as he entered into this city, that this would be his last moment, his last public moment of, of celebration and praise. And he comes in with such humility, understanding that I've got so many people in this crowd and, and I've got to be very, very careful in, in how I move. Who's in the crowd, number one? In the crowd, you have your followers. They are amazed and intrigued at your works. Up in verse number nine, it says, the large crowd of Jews learned that he was there and they came. His followers. What are your followers? Those who have been with you because of your works those who are familiar with you because of what you've done for others, those who have become your supporters because of what you've done, the healing, miracles, signs, and wonders. In the crowd was his followers. They were followers. They weren't friends. They were followers. You got to be real careful sometimes that, that, that you don't lose yourself in the midst of the celebration, that you're not aware who's in the crowd, who Who's in the crowd? Number one, your followers. People who become amazed and intrigued with who you are. Number two, number two, not only do you have followers, but you have spectators. In the crowd, you have spectators. They are there because of the moment and the celebration. They're not there because of Jesus. They're not there because of the signs, wonders. They're there because there's a party that's going on. Somebody said we're getting ready to go to the club tonight. They're giving out free drinks tonight, and I just want you to just come. we just going to come and just show up. We're really not going to participate, but we're going to come to just spectate. How many times do we have people sitting in the church every Sunday, and they don't really come for Jesus? They don't come for the worship. They don't come to give. They just come to spectate. They come to take up room. They come to do what? Spectate. Your spectators are those who are there because of what they heard. They heard that Jesus was coming to town. I, I want to go see who this Jesus is. They're, they're just looking and watching. Uh, uh, your, your spectators are those who have no real interest in your purpose or path of life. They don't really care about who you are. They're coming to just see what's going on. I, I just want to take up room. I, how many of you are sitting in the presence of God and you sit there and you just spectate and you really don't have any real interest in changing your life? Spectators. Those who are more concerned about what you're saying rather than what you're doing. They, they just want to hear they want to see and they want to get the news and they want to go back and talk about it and gossip about it and complain about it and make excuses about it. In the midst of this crowd, there were followers and spectators. 
Your spectators are not against you. And they're not really for you. They're just there to watch. So in these moments, don't allow yourself to become frustrated because people are just watching. They're just sitting and they're just watching. You'll have people in your life and you'll have people who are part of your crowd and, and, and they won't respond to you. They, they will just sit and they will watch you and they will spectate. They will not participate in your pain. They will not participate in your distress. They'll sit there and they'll just spectate because that's what we have in a crowd. Everybody's not there to just make the noise. You've got your followers. You have your spectators. And then you have those who just tag along. Have you ever been in a, in a situation when you were growing up and you had your crew and then somebody just said, can I just really hang out with y'all and I don't have nothing else to do when I really hang out but they have another motive? They want to hang out with you but they're really trying to see somebody else. It's called your tag-alongs. They are only with you because of Lazarus. In verse number 9, uh, it says, And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. Your tag-alongs. They're, they're tagging along because they only want to see Lazarus. They heard that you raised a man from the dead, and they're not really coming because they like you. They're not really coming because really want to be with you they're coming with you because they want to see the another they want to see the next person who's Lazarus there are many people in a crowd who are coming to see signs wonders and miracles they heard that Jesus raised somebody from the dead they heard that Jesus opened the blind eyes they they heard that he did so many wonderful things that they, they heard you you cannot despise your tagalongs you you cannot despise people because they're coming because they want to see something that they heard that you've done but they really don't want to give you the attention they're they're looking for the person that you've created the miracle with. in the crowd you have people looking for Lazarus in the crowd they were celebrating Jesus but here we have people say I want to see Lazarus number four you got your followers. You've got your spectators. You've got people who tag along. And then number four, you've got your persecutors. You've got those in the crowd who are who 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 are there to be against you. The chief rulers were there to be against you. Who are your persecutors? Those who plan to destroy you. They're strategic in their plan. Those who have a plan to turn everyone against you, they carry a spirit of division. It's not like being in a crowd and your haters are there and your persecutors are there. See, there's a difference between someone hating on you and someone persecuting you. I taught this on a hater has no plan. They're just ignorant. They just don't like you because they don't know why they don't like you. Your persecutors have a reason for why they do not like you. And they're very strategic in how they want to destroy you. They're very strategic and they carry the influence of division because they want to turn everybody against you that is for you. That's a persecutor. That's not a hater. 
A hater has no plan in your life. A hater is somebody who's really beneath you. A hater is somebody that you never read that you never really need to worry about. A hater is somebody that doesn't even have sense. They they have no plan. A persecutor is somebody that you need to be aware of. It's somebody that you need to understand that they have influence and their influence carries power. And you should never, never, you should be never ignorant of people who want to persecute you. People who have a plan to destroy you. They've got a plan to destroy your life. A plan to destroy your family. A plan to destroy your career. A plan to destroy relationships. A plan to destroy your happiness. You've got to be aware of your persecutors. Those who are upset with you for what you've been doing. They're jealous of the attention that you're getting. Jesus had these persecutors his entire ministry. They followed him. But guess what? If you don't know that people are coming after you, you'll look in the crowd and you'll think that everybody's for you. But guess what? Persecutors know how to blend in. They know how to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, they know how to blend in. They know how to move with the crowd. They know how to disguise their assignment. But on the inside, they're saying, I'm getting ready to kill this joker. I'm tired of this. He has all of these people. He's coming to our city and he's getting all of this attention Who's in the crowd? Who's in the crowd when you think about it? Who's in the crowd of your life right now? You've got followers in your life because of what you've done. You've got spectators in your life. You've got tagalongs in your life. And then you've got persecutors, people who want to destroy you. They're all in the crowd, the same crowd the same noise. You can't tell the difference in the noise. You can't tell the difference in the person, but you can feel and discern the spirits. Who's in the crowd? Verse number five. Number five. Your disciples. This amazed me right here because in the crowd was his disciples. Those whom you have chosen to follow you. And in verse 16, it says, these things his disciples did not understand at first. Comma, I want to rest right there. In your crowd, you have your crew. You got your ride or die. You got people who you imparted into and whom you've ministered to. They have walked with you. They have slept with you. They know your ins and outs. They know your ups and downs. They know your weeks, your weakness, and your strength. But they do not understand what the moment is. That, that has to be the craziest thing. You're, you're a part of the crowd and you don't perceive that I'm at a moment of death in my life. Come on now, the, the disciples, the, the 12 disciples at first had no clue of what was going on. Your, your disciples represent those who know you in ways that nobody else does. They have walked with you from day one. They have watched you and ministered with you. But at times, those who are closest to you can become so overwhelmed with the crowd 
that they lose focus on ministry. They don't realize what's going on. Can, can I give it to you real quick? I'm talking to y'all today. You're the disciples. And how many times have we become a part of the crowd and didn't realize what was getting ready to happen? The disciples were with Jesus. They went and got him the donkey. They, they participated in, and they were with him. But they did not understand until they began to hear the people call him Hosanna. And they saw him being glorified in the eyes of the people. But here it is. Your crowd sometimes can affect your perception. Your crowd, if you're not, if you're not focused, they will, they will pollute and dilute the reality of what is getting ready to happen. Can I give it to you? The reality of what was getting ready to happen is that he was getting ready to die. Hmm. That, that don't sound good, right? In the midst of a celebration, somebody's getting ready to die. In the midst of a crowd where you're calling me Hosanna, I'm getting ready to be betrayed by my best friend Judas. In the midst of this celebration, I'm getting ready to be denied by my boy Peter. In the midst of this celebration, they're getting ready to spit in my face. They're, they're getting ready to beat me to death. They're, they're getting ready to put a crown of thorns around my head. They're getting ready to punish me. They're getting ready to put nails in my hand. They're, they're getting ready to put nails in my feet. They're, they're getting ready to pierce me in my side, but they're calling me Hosanna. Hosanna. They're celebrating me, but they don't know that they're getting ready to turn their backs on me. They're getting ready to leave. And when it's time for me to get to the cross there ain't gonna be no crowd when it's time for me to get the nails in my hand there ain't gonna be hundreds of thousands of people when it's time for me to get punched in my face when it's time for me to be beaten on my back I'm gonna be by myself but right in the midst of a crowd who's in the crowd think about it think about it they were celebrating and enjoying themselves. How many times have you been in the midst of a crowd and you lose focus of the reality of what you were sent to do? And you get caught up because your followers are there. You get caught up because the spectators make you feel good. You get caught up because people are saying, that's the God that healed Lazarus. That's the God that did that. You get caught up and, and, and talking about, yeah, they coming after me and all of this. You start getting, getting mixed up with your persecutors and then you lose focus because your disciples don't even know what's going on. And you abort the mission because of a crowd. See, see, that's my perception today. Many of us have aborted the mission because of a crowd. Many of us have lost this subject because of the crowd. Yes, they were in the feast of the Passover, but they really didn't know that he was getting ready to foretell of his death. Can you imagine going home today after we leave here and you sit down and your mama tell you, I'm getting ready to die. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, my God. What are you doing? I'm getting ready to go. How many of you are ready to have that conversation? 
How, how many of you are ready to sit down with your spouse and talk about, baby, when I get to the point and, and, and I get to the point of death, this is what I want you to do. See, if you don't talk about your death, you won't respond the right way when it happens. Uh, that's why you need life insurance. Lift your hand, Chris. I keep telling y'all, get your kids for Easter, life insurance. If you don't have life insurance, get life insurance. Raise your hand, Chris. See, when you got life insurance and you got benefits when they pass away, you can talk about it and mourn about it, but in the end, you're still going to have grief, but everything is going to be taken care of. Who's in your crowd right now? Who's in your crowd? You got followers. You got spectators. You got tagalongs. You got your persecutors. You got your disciples. But your job is to get to the cross. I'm talking to you today because each and every one of us have to learn how to bear our own cross. If you want to be a follower of me, you got to learn how to deny yourself. You got to learn how to pick up your cross. And then you got to learn how to follow my lead. One day you're going to walk into a crowd the same way that Jesus did. And you're going to have to be able to accept they're celebrating me, but I'm getting ready to die. I got to give up something. Jesus is at this point in his life where he understands that I cannot become consumed with the celebration. That's why he came in on a coat, on a donkey. Because the donkey represents humility. The donkey represents humility. It represents that I came not to be served, but I came to serve. In the midst of the waving of the palm trees and in the midst of all of the celebration, look at his life and he's riding through thinking about, man, my mom, thinking about I've got to go to the cross I can't turn back now I can't change my mind now in the next three or so days the entire world is getting ready to transition into the crucifixion of Jesus Christ can can I give it to you Jesus felt all of the pain Jesus was not numb to this moment in his life. He felt the pain of death. He felt it and he began to talk about it. Who's in the crowd? Remember your crowds are temporary. Remember your crowds are emotional. They're up one time and down the next moment. Remember your crowds, they lack full attention. They only see one thing, Hosanna, Hosanna. They only see the celebration, but they don't see the end. All they want is another championship. All they want is another parade, but they don't see the process of what it's going to take 82 games, of what it's going to take for the city to win again. They only want to see a champion. They only want another parade. They're single-minded. They cannot see beyond the crowd and beyond the celebration. Know that your crowd is unstable and it becomes uncomfortable. And everybody in the crowd is not for you. Everybody in the crowd is not against you. But understand, the crowd is there to push you into your destiny. As you lift your hands today, I want to encourage you right now at this moment to look at the life of Jesus Christ. 
I want you to see Jesus riding in on this donkey. Everybody's celebrating, but only he knows that I'm headed to a cross, that I'm headed to a moment in my life where I cannot turn back now. If you really say that you love Jesus, then you should feel the pain of what you've been going through in your life. You've been saying, Lord, take me out. Lord, change my path. But your path is to endure the suffering. Your path in life is to endure the pain. Can, can you open your eyes really quickly? And, and, and I'm going to finish right here. I, I, I really want you to understand as I begin to talk about it, and I was talking to one of my spiritual daughters on yesterday who's, who's going through chemo right now, and she said, I want to give up, and I'm ready to quit. I, I'm not going to the next session. And she said, I, I understand that you and your wife, and she went through it, but I cannot do this. I, I've not eaten in, in six days, and I'm just in pain, and, and my mind is just going crazy. And, and as I begin to pray for her, and as I begin to say, Lord, take it away, he said, why are you praying to take the pain away? The pain is a part of the process. And I stopped, and I, and I came out, and I said, daughter, I want to tell you something. I know that this doesn't sound right, but think about Jesus. Your pain can never really equate to the pain that he went through. Because the same pain that you're feeling is the same pain that he felt. Pain is pain. You know, a lot of times because you don't see, and in the African-American church, we don't see him on the cross. You've never seen Jesus on a cross in your church, have you? Have you? In our community, they don't sell crosses with Jesus on them because we were taught that that's idolizing the cross. Wrong. Wrong information. Imagine if you saw this week, if you put up a cross with Jesus on it and you looked at it every day out of your own pain, what you would be able to say, my God, if he endured and he finished that means that I can do the same thing. But because you only see a barren, naked, pretty cross, you don't see him with blood on him. You see him looking wonderful. And when we came up, he had nice hair. He looked really good. And there was all this big old glow behind him. That's what we saw Jesus. And that's why it's so difficult for us to really put our minds to the cross. We talk about he got up with all power, but, but what happened before he got up? Somebody beat him, Raymond. So, somebody whooped him. Somebody, somebody denied him and somebody betrayed him. That, that's like me walking in and, and, and my children look at me and say, Dad, we're turning you over, man, and we're just going to give up. We look at Easter as, you know, you dress up and you bring in brand new clothes and everybody puts on big old hats and, and we're all dressed up for a man who died 
for a man who gave his life. I really want you to hear this, children. Jesus died for you. He died so that you would be able to have life abundantly. When you think about the resurrection, you think about Palm Sunday, just think about who was in that crowd that really didn't understand what was getting ready to happen to Jesus. Father, we thank you. Yes, Lord. Keep using me to be bold, to talk about the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is about the pain and the suffering. The gospel is about a man who came to serve. The gospel is about a man who was persecuted and he never did anything wrong. The gospel is all about a man who gave his life freely. The gospel is about a man who took the stripes upon his back for the healing of my wife. He was bruised, chastised. Lord, we celebrate you today for your life, for your faithfulness. You still love us. You still love us. Teach your children about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a real moment. It's a real moment. Jesus is real. Your babies look at me. Jesus is real. He's a real man. He's a real man. And he wants to save your life. Jesus was born into persecution. And he died under persecution. And every day that you deny him, we crucify him all over again. Every day that you throw down your cross, you crucify him all over again. So this week, I really want you to take some time and quiet yourself. Think about the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news? He came not to be served, but to serve. Father, we bless you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus.